Well, today we're going to uh, close out our series on one another. And uh, we've really been discussing what Scripture says. Um, there's you know, at least 100 verses about one another in uh, the New Testament alone. And um, so that's clearly something that we should focus on one another. And it's part of who we are called to be here at Christ Community Church, helping one another daily follow Jesus. And so one another is a very uh, core part of who we are uh, at our church. And I think that one of the things that's helpful for us to understand as we close out this series on one another, um, you know, we've looked at submitting to one another several weeks ago, how important that is. Then we looked at the idea of bearing one another's burdens and how important that is. Last week we looked at if we bear our own burdens, it's easier for other people to bear their burdens and us together being able to bear the burdens together because there's certain burdens that only we can bear, that only that God says that's for you and you alone and you got to walk through this alone. Uh, those are rare. But for the most part, when we walk through something, we are not alone. And that's such an encouraging thing. Well, today I want to start by talking about this one another is about being together and not forsaking that. But what precedes kind of the core verses of what I'm talking today is this whole idea of having access to the Father, which is very important. And I remember, I don't know if you've ever had access to something that you were just like thrilled to have access to. I mean, maybe it's like these really, really good tickets and you get to walk. Or maybe you had backstage passes or maybe you had, you know, whatever it was. Like you were able to kind of go to the inner workings of wherever you, you know, are. And, and it was a really fun thing. Well, one day, uh, a buddy of mine who worked for a news station in Lynchburg uh, calls me. We were living in Danville at the time. He's like, hey, do you want to go to the presidential inauguration? And I'm like, well, not really. <laughs> and he goes, no, 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 it's really cool. I've got two press passes and nobody wants to go. And I said, well, that should tell you something. <laughs> um, and it wasn't any current. This was literally, our kids were little, type, you know, like it was a long, long time ago. I just don't like being cold. And I know that that time of the year, D.C. is cold. And so he's like, no, 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 I got, I got press passes. We have access to everything. We got free food. I said, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. You have me at free food. So we, we go off to D.C. and we had, we, we go to this like mobile unit way, way, way. I mean, I'm, when I say way away, I mean miles away from where the inauguration is going to happen on the Capitol steps. And so we go to this place and we get our access passes and we keep going to gates one after another, one after another, one after another. And as we get closer and closer, um, you know, we start showing our passes, and they're like, oh, no, sir, you have that pass. You keep going this way. And we're like, oh, sweet. And so we kept going, and we kept going, and we kept going. And we are literally in the inner sanctum, like the front of the front. The only, more, uh, the only access that you could have more of was, like, dignitaries and old, you know, uh, presidents from, you know, that, that were just not presidents anymore that had retired or or not retired, but got unelected or had done their two terms. I mean, they were literally right down, we could literally see them, and we got these passes. And so me and my buddy, we started walking up, and we walked this big honking Marine who had a rifle, like a, and we looked at him, and we said, uh, excuse us. 
And we showed him our passes. And he looked at us as if to say, oh, you poor little boys. And he said, you have no access here. And we said, well, no, 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 it says this right here. He goes, nice try, gentlemen. You have no access here. And we walked away. And we found a seat among the peasants back this way. <laughs> well, the reason I tell you that is because there is never a point in your walk with Christ that you go to show your past at any place in any situation in life and God says you have no access here. We have full access to the Father. One day we will fully realize that. We will. At its fullest. But even in today that we have full access to God. So that's important to understand as we talk about the verses we're going to talk about today which are from Hebrews chapter 10 beginning in verse 19. So let me pray for us. I'm going to read those verses and then we'll keep going through that. Can somebody give me a water? By the way, I'm feeling... You haven't drank out of that, have you? Okay, good. No, I know you well enough. Okay, much better. Thank you, Michael. Um, let me pray for us. Lord, this morning, as we are sitting outside, enjoying this beautiful weather, enjoying fellowship, your word, worship through singing, Lord, help us to fully grasp what you have for us today. Help us to hear what you have for us today, understanding that we ourselves have access to you. Not because we deserve it, not because we earned it, but because of you and your grace. And as we talk through the last one another, help us to really understand what it means to really fully engage with one another. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you could stand if you're able, um, and we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You can be seated. So in these chunk of verses, we find this like threefold encouragement to draw near to God, to hold fast to our faith, And to fire up one another, to encourage one another, to move one another towards love and good deeds. All of this is based because Jesus did what he did for us on the cross. That is is it. If If that foundation goes, this is all for nothing. But we can live this way because of what Jesus did. He died and he rose from the dead. And so the focus of these verses are talking about let us draw near in faith with 
one another. Drawing near in faith with one another. We are exhorted and taught in these verses to draw near to God. To enter the holiest, as verse 19 talks about. That heavenly place where Christ himself has entered into the presence of God himself. And to do so, enter, it says, having boldness, if you look at those verses. Doesn't it? It talks about the fact that we can boldly walk into the presence of God. Not cocky. There's a difference when your teenager comes to you cocky and when, to they, when they come to you boldly. When they come to you because they're your child and you love them and they are wanting what is best in their life because they know you want what's best for them, that's a whole different thing than your teenager walking up to you going, I deserve this, you owe me this, and da-da-da-da-da. Like, you see the difference, right? So we enter into this presence of God with boldness, and here's how we know we are walking the proper boldness. Verse 22 talks about it. It says, with a true heart. I mean, I don't need to give you a definition of a true heart. In order to find out a definition of a true heart, I bet you the best way to do that is to find somebody that you think embodies an untrue heart. Maybe that's a better way to do it. But there are plenty of people that walk through life with a true heart, with all sincerity, as what Scripture tells us. And when we walk that way, it says in verse 22, in full assurance of faith, we don't doubt. We come to the Father because we know He loves us and He's good. And we come to Him because we know He has what is best for us in His mind. That is His will for us. And the whole basis of this, like I said earlier, is we can go into the presence of God because Jesus died for us. And it's a new way to live. He says, not only am I going to die for you, I'm I'm, going to literally, you you will live a new way. Not, as we said, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, not an improved you, a new you. Jesus now serves, as Scripture says, as our high priest. Now, what does that mean? That he is able to come to our aid. Back in those days, priests were, I mean, they, they, they played many roles back then. And not only does he come to our aid that Jesus, the high priest, can actually empathize, can sympathize, can understand our weaknesses because he himself was tempted in every way that we have been tempted. Yet he never sinned. And here's the, one of my favorite parts currently. The older I get, the more I love this part about the high priest. A priest in any religion you think about, is the person that intercedes between you and God, right? At its very core. But if we look at what the high priest Jesus does, he does that for us, and we can just do it. We can go to him anywhere. And even when we are not trying to repent, even when we're not trying to walk in the right ways, he loves us enough to intercede on our behalf anyway. You ever been walking in a way that you know is not right. You know God is saying, no. And you keep walking that way. And along the way, there's these subtle signs by your high priest who is saying, hey, that's probably not a good idea. Oh, there he goes. He meets you at the next street corner. I really, really think this is not a good idea. There he goes. And we continue to go on and on and we walk. And finally, Jesus is in the middle of the road 
And he's like Spider-Man. He's like, you know, like, like throwing webs at us to like push us against the wall and say, this is really not a good idea. And we continue to go. I've done that. That's the beauty of a high priest. Even as I'm doing that, he's instructing me and he's saying to the father, remember, he belongs to us. Remember, he belongs to you. Remember, I died for him. That's a beautiful scene. Because Jesus is our high priest. We should not hesitate to draw near to him in worship and in prayer. That he himself gives us access into the holy of holies. To eternal life. To living a new life in our world today. Nobody else can claim that except Jesus. And because of all that, then the writer of Hebrews, by the way, there's a lot of debate if you want to win a trivia contest and they say, who is the writer of Hebrews? Does anybody know the writer of Hebrews? It's not Mr. Hebrew, by the way. (laughs) Nobody knows. It's an unknown author. A lot of people give Paul the credit for it, but it's, it's, it's kind of an unknown writing. So there you go. Next trivia contest. But the writer here moves from this access idea to then let us. Because of this, now we can live this way. And verse 22 talks about let us draw near with a true heart. Aren't you glad, for me, this probably shows you where my heart is in life most of the time. Aren't you glad that when you read the scripture, it's not saying a pure heart and a clean heart? Like, I I can't tell you the times that I can just come before the Lord and I'm like, my heart is totally pure and my heart is totally clean. I can't. But I can tell you the times that I came to the Lord with a true heart. You see, a true heart is that person that was giving, uh, you know, his offering to Jesus. And as he gave that little offering and as he gave that little prayer, as opposed to this big prayer that Jesus was pointing to the Pharisees saying, you see that guy praying over there? Man, he's been going on for like 10 minutes. And all he's talking about is he's glad he's not like other people. But you see this guy over here, this little beggar? He made like a 15-second prayer, and that meant more to me than anything because he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's a true heart. That's a real heart. And so you come to the Lord that way, saying, I know I'm a sinner, but I know that you even said because I'm a sinner, you've covered that sin, and I can still boldly come to you, not in a cocky way, but I have access to you because you are my father. And so I can come boldly to God now, not demanding, but asking, conversing with your father, knowing that he will give to us what is best for us. And I don't care if you call it the good, the bad, and the ugly of life. Anybody ever seen that Western, by the way? If not, you may leave now to go see that Western, Great Western. The good and bad. I mean, literally, God gives us the good. We need to understand this too. 
God gives us the bad. And God gives us the ugly. And the beautiful part about all of that is, as God is giving that to us, as we boldly come to him with a pure heart, we don't do it alone. We get to do it with one another. Going to him. And as we're trying to verse, like what verse 23 says, hold fast to the hope. You see, because Jesus is not just better, not just, oh, that's a better flight. I mean, Jesus is life. I mean, it, it is everything. He, he is absolutely everything. But there is a danger in our culture that we may abandon our belief in Christ. There is a danger, no matter how good God has been to us in the past, that we can actually, like, waver in our faith. And this idea of hold fast is actually a, a, an illustration about a ship crashing through the waves. You ever been on a sailboat? I mean, when it's smooth, it is the best, right? I mean, you're just like, why don't other people do this all the time? Well, one, they can't afford it. And two, your friend invited you. That's the only reason you're here. And so, like, you're, you're kind of doing this whole thing, right? But when the waves start to crash, you want experienced people in there. You want people that are mature and understand how to sail. Well, this is what happens. Like a, 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 It's very hard for one person to, to maintain the course. And so here in Scripture, when it talks about this whole idea of holding fast, it is literally, you got a death grip on this thing. And your friend's got a death grip on that mechanism on the boat and this one over here and this one over here and you together we as one another are getting through the storm and we do so with good reason because the faithfulness of God is absolutely true it may take you a while to get through whatever God has you going through right now. I'm not even promising it's going to end like you want it to or I want it to. I don't know. But I do know this. I'll bet my house on it. You might not want it. He will along the way prove to be faithful. That I do know. And so, this whole focus on letting us, let us, let us, you know, as we talked about, you know, we, we really are the, the letting us, like we can come to him with a bold heart. We can hold fast to this hope. We have good reason to do so, but then it moves into let us consider one another. You ever see that poster years ago, everything you learned about life, you learned in the, in the, in kindergarten? <laughs> Lots of life lessons here and there. But here, here, here's one from that poster. Like, consider people. And Scripture says, consider others more important than yourself. So in these verses, when it says, consider one another, this is based on the other let us is, 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 however you say that in plural, okay? The let us draw near to God, the let us hold fast to him. If we do those things, if we are drawing near to God and we hold fast to our faith, then guess what? 
you won't even have to try at this because you'll be maturing in Christ so much together and individually that what will happen is as you are literally drawing near to God and holding fast to the faith, what happens is the fruit of that is, is that you will move on to the next let us, and that is let us consider one another. This means to give great attention to. To fix our eyes upon people when they are in great need among each other. To literally be thinking and praying, am I part of the solution to help? We had a meeting recently and something was happening and, and, and somebody talked about something that was going on and, and literally away from that meeting, the this person that didn't know this other person was like, what can I do to help to me? And I was like, well, I don't know. I can ask. And I asked and boom, they're involved and they're helping. And like the Lord just stirred something in them. That's considering one another. But what we're trying to do in these verses to understand is that we're trying to fix our eyes to consider one another so that we can stir up one another. Stir up to what? Love and good deeds. Have you ever cooked? You see, I'm an expert on the grill but I can make the best popcorn you've ever made in your life. I will bet you $100 right now. I'll shake on it. Because the key is that I've learned over the years is to get the oil super, super, super hot. And then you take the kernels, measured accurately, by the way, and you pour them in that oil, that hot, hot oil. And so they don't take on too much of the consistency of the oil, and they don't, they don't burn, and they don't pop too quick, and they burn just right. And literally, if you do it that way, I do add a lot of butter and salt, by the way, um, but it comes out perfect. But if you don't do what? If you literally just pour those popcorn kernels in the boiling oil and you leave it there, what happens? Disaster, right? You have to stir. You have to shake. You have to... I got one of those little whirly pops, by the way. Cheater. Like, you have to do that so it evenly is in the right environment. And so as we hold fast to our faith, as we draw near to God, we begin to create the right environment to really love one another well and stir up one another so that we can all do that with each other. As we draw near to God and hold fast to our hope, we are not doing so alone. We are to be mindful of one another because things in a church community are accomplished because of one another. That is why it's so important to assemble together, to be with each other, to stir each other towards love and good works. Yes, we come to worship and praise each other here, and yes, we encourage each other away from here but if you really think about it there's what 168 hours a week wouldn't it be great if we all took seriously a two-hour commitment to actually be together on Sunday yes I know that people are traveling and all that's that's fine I get it those are acceptable 
you all are here right now and that's appreciated. But like encouraging other people. Man, we just want you to be a part of what we're doing for like two hours a week. And by two hours, I mean driving in, driving out, parking, getting your coffee, hearing sermon, saying so. I mean, like, it's so good to be together. I mean, one of my favorite parts is like when I see you walking in and talking. Let's not, as these verses go on to say, abandon or forsake being with one another. It is good. Think about this as like the family dinner every week. Like family dinners, I don't care how dysfunctional your family might be. When somebody said it's a family dinner, that was, you made time for that. That was important. You might not want it to go, and there are going to be times on Sunday you don't want to go. I do it for a living. There are plenty of Sundays I don't want to go. I'd rather sleep now. But I think for us it's important to understand that this is like the family meal. We just get to be together. Is your conversation as deep as it would be one-on-one over lunch with somebody? No. But it's real good to be together. It's real good to be encouraged. And the reason I bring that up is because, as you know, most of you, I'm leaving for sabbatical here for a few months. And we're heading into the summer. And I'll tell you this, full on, just with full vulnerability, summer as a pastor makes me crazy. Because there's so many more distractions. People come in town. And like, it's not like a bunch of people are going out of town. Maybe you do, but like everybody's like, we should go to so-and-so's house. You know why? They live at the beach. Well, then they discover you live 15 minutes from the beach. It's not as exciting because they thought you just like literally walked onto the beach, but whatever. Uh, you might want to reassess their expectations, but like it's, it's a busy, busy time, is it not? But in some ways, it's a time that we just have downtime. And so my encouragement is, let's not forsake being together during the summer months. I would love to come back and see all of your faces when I get back from sabbatical. That you've been a part of what one another is doing. 